Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben of the Lean Blog. Today is September 17th, 2006, and you're listening to episode number six of the Lean Blog Podcast. This is the second part of a conversation with Jamie Flinchbaugh, founder and partner with the Lean Learning Center, and also the co-author of the book, The Hitchhiker's Guide to Lean. In the first part of our discussion, Jamie and I talked about the specific language of waste reduction. Today, we focus on leadership's role in identifying waste and driving it out of your organization. If you'd like to hear the first part of the discussion with Jamie or earlier podcasts with Norman Bodak or Jeffrey Liker, you can visit www.leanpodcast.org for more information. So, Jamie, how do you get started with eliminating waste in the organization? It, it seems like one pitfall would be having senior management pointing down in the organization saying to everyone else, you know, there's a lot of waste on the shop floor. It's your fault. You go fix it. How do you get everybody on board in terms of eliminating waste, particularly the leaders? So the first thing I think of when we start talking about actually getting out and getting organizations to eliminate waste is getting the language right. And, and that's the, you know, starts with the seven waste language. And it's not often I would say that it's really important to memorize the words, but in this particular case, I, I think it is important because without without having understanding the seven waste as a language, it's really hard to actually see stuff. Right. So I, I'll go to, go, I've gone to many organizations and actually given folks pop quizzes, and, and these are people that should be teaching lean inside their own organization, mm-hmm. and they don't even you know, I get somewhere between two and 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 seven right, some of them get nine, and then. They're adding stuff into it. So um, if I can't get the language right, it's hard to go off and see it. So it starts mm-hmm. with the language, and then it's getting people out and doing it, doing the learning by doing, actually being able to, to go out and physically eliminate waste. From a leadership standpoint, whether it's frontline supervision or managers or executives, it's, it's really understanding um, first eliminating waste in your own role. So, so many people think about waste, and then they say, okay, let's go down the, the shop floor <laughs> and help the folks on the floor eliminate waste. <laughs> right. and, and granted, that's where a lot of the dollars are. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when I start, when I start looking at an organization, there's a whole lot more waste and miscommunications and misalignments and meetings that have to happen three times or have to have, take three hours instead of one hour. And if I add up all the waste that goes around those processes, it's a whole lot more than trying to squeeze 10 seconds out of the operator on the floor. And so I think it starts with using lean to eliminate waste in your own work, and only then can you start to help someone else. And I bet that would go a long way in trying to anticipate maybe what the success of lean is going to be within that organization. If you start working with the executives and if if they're maybe so closed-minded that they're not willing to admit waste within their own personal realm, maybe that would be an indicator of that. That, you know, they're, they're not willing to, to really embrace this and, and move forward with it. If it's just they want to use it as a finger pointing or an excuse making exercise. Yeah, I think, I think, uh, again, it goes to the, the compelling someone to act. If there's, I, I, I don't know if I've ever found anybody that says there isn't waste. So, um, it's not necessarily an admittance <laughs> standpoint, but, well, but it might, it might be, you know, well, there's, Somebody else's waste within yeah, the organization. Yeah, there's, there's plenty of waste, but not because of me. There's there's certainly finger pointing, and, and then there's also just okay, where do we want to start? And and getting someone to actually do something about waste in their own process. Um, if if it, it is, I think there are limits to how far an organization can go. If you you can't get some of those leaders to just say, hey, 
where is there waste immediately around me? And here's what I'm going to do about that waste. And, and I don't care what it is. I don't care how small it is because it's really a, a mindset for it uh, rather than a, a, an ROI kind of evaluation. But if, yeah. if I start looking at my, my own role and I don't hate the waste around it enough to do something about it, mm-hmm. it's going to be hard for me to support someone else's hatred of that waste that yeah. they see around them. I mean, what, what kind of things would you recommend to, let's say, a plant manager um, who's working with Lean to try to help drive people from identifying waste to action? Uh, it, it seems to me a lot of times the thing holding people back from, you know, sheets of paper on the wall to actually changing things may be some element of fear, um, you know, that they're afraid, of, you know, it, either afraid of admitting the waste or even once they've got it up on the wall, you know, fear of they're not going to do the right things to fix it. Um, what, what are some things that you've seen? Uh, that have been successful from from that leadership standpoint. I think I think one of the important things is is being able to jump down a few layers, and and get down and actually start to do something that people can see. So be visible about it. Now there's a danger in that because you don't want to make that a permanent part of how waste elimination happens. And we've seen um, we've seen situations where you know if you want to do eliminate some waste, you go straight to the COO because. He's out there all the time, and he's he's willing to do something about it. And every other layer isn't, so you just you just skip to cut to the chase and go to where the the action is going to be, and that's not very productive. But but almost really adopting an area or a team or a person, and just very visibly for people demonstrating the type of behaviors um, that that are expected. I, I I talk about the the management support myth, and I go to a lot of organizations. They say management's 100% behind us. And the problem is that behind is still behind. <laughs> Leadership is being out in front. And so if someone can't actually jump out and do something that they're asking everyone else to do themselves and, and show people how to do it and actually do it and take some risk and put yourself out there, then it's, it's really hard to ask anyone else to do it. And so taking that, taking the leap and getting out of the comfort zone and doing something yourself in a way that people can see mm-hmm. uh, is important. And I think that visibility, it's not showmanship, but if you tried something new and no one else saw it, well, it might have been good for you, but it wasn't necessarily good for the organization. And so it, it's not showmanship, but, but demonstrating it, making it visible, letting everyone know that you're doing something, it's hard for them to follow your lead if they don't know. Yeah. Now, is it a matter of being out in the factory floor and maybe you know, asking questions, um, pointing out, you know, asking people, you know, is this waste? What can we do to fix this problem? More I so, think, I think the question part. I mean, you know, great leaders ask great questions, and questions are an important point of of helping others. Uh, um, but at some point, it's also just okay. Here's what I see, mm-hmm. and pulling people together and, and and making some decisions and doing something about it. Um, so I think you can sometimes ask too many questions and. Sometimes just need to, okay, here, here's the waste we see, mm-hmm. right? Okay, what can we do something about it? Well, let me suggest this and let's do it. Um, and, and I think it depends on what you're trying to achieve. If you're trying to achieve coaching and learning, questions are very powerful. If you're just trying to demonstrate action, well, sometimes asking questions just takes a whole lot longer. And mm-hmm. You just want to go out and do something and uh, show people that we need to start making some decisions. We need to start taking some action and making things move. And I've seen in a couple of different organizations that sometimes, even though you might say in theory, I want, you know, the people I'm coaching to figure it out themselves, but sometimes there's such inertia or lack of 
um, lack of energy, lack of change within an organization, I found sometimes it does help to jump in and uh, say, you know, what, we're working on 5S. We've taught the principles. People aren't exactly jumping to start rearranging their areas. Uh, you know, I found it's helpful sometimes to jump in, you know, get, roll up your sleeves, start, you know, physically, you know, grabbing things off the shelf and asking people, do you need this? How often do you use that? Um, you know, crawling down and, and putting tape around the floor. But I always tell people, you know, that, you know, this first time is sort of a freebie. You know, I'm, I'm demonstrating it. Don't get dependent on me doing this for you all the time. Um, that I've seen, you know, even, you know, just kind of seeding a couple examples to, to show people, you know, if they're maybe afraid they're going to do it wrong. Here, I'll, I'll show you. Here's a good example. Now I'm going to come back in a couple of days and, and let me see what you've been able to accomplish. I've, I've seen that, um, especially in, in kind of, Stagnant organizations that that's a, a helpful method sometimes. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I think you're right. I think, um, you know, doing it with them is different than doing it for them. You right. know, if it's, if it's, uh, you know, you know, we'll, we'll go ahead and clean up your area for you and come back in a couple of days and you'll see how it's nice. That's mm-hmm. one thing. Doing it with someone is, is very different. And, and I don't see, you know, I don't see why any, any harm in that. Um, I think, I think the important thing is, is that you have to assess how much resistance there is in the organization, whether it's stagnation, whether it's outright resistance, whether it's simply just don't even know where to go because they haven't done anything yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you need to, to create, you need to break some of that ice. And um, if someone's had the same routine every single day for 10 years, uh, well, it's it's hard to just ask them to break their routine. You kind of need to break it forth as mm-hmm. they're going in and changing something about how they do things. Oh, that can go a long way to freeing them up to try something new. Yeah. And I don't know if you have any examples of this, but I've seen um, different types of organizations where sometimes there's such an effort made to rationalize the waste that's there in the organization, either because of, like you, you said, um, we've been doing it the same way for 10 years. Um, you know, Talk about inspections and double checks, and people are so convinced, well, we have to do this. Um, what, what are some methods you've used to sort of try to, you know, snap people out of their inertia and thinking that something really was necessary and trying to convince them that, that something was waste. Well, I think, I think it drives a couple of things. One is really have, helping people see the ideal state and uh, helping them understand you know, where are they really trying to go. And if they start looking at that that way, at least they're willing to at least say, okay, what would it take to get there? If you ask them to just change something, well, okay, that's that's – that's really specific. But if you ask me, how are we going to get there? At least I'm allowed to engage in thinking about it a little more. And I, I think the other thing is that people really look at problems as you know, something that might have sort of a binary solution. So we, we tried solving that before we couldn't, so therefore mm-hmm. it can't be solved. And to me, a lot, of, a lot of waste elimination, a lot of getting pull in place, a lot of these things is about surfacing problems to then go about solving those problems in a different way. Mm-hmm. And we could go on to that for a whole another whole another hour, mm-hmm. but but you know, I, I think it's it's helping them see see new solutions uh, to old problems. Great. Well and hopefully we will have other discussions here in the future. I think we're about hitting our time um, in our discussion on waste. Um, we, there are plenty of other topics that we touched on today that I think we can build off of for um, a future discussion, but do you have any um, final thoughts to kind of wrap up the discussion here on waste today? Well, I think uh, just g- getting back to what I s- said in the beginning is that you know, w- lean is not synonymous with waste elimination. 
but waste elimination certainly is a big driver. But it's not just a reason for doing lean. It's, it's an action we should be taking ourselves. And so I think I just encourage everyone to get out, learn waste, and do something about it. Great. Good advice. Well, thank you, Jamie, for being here. I appreciate your time and joining us on the podcast. Thank you, Mark. Well, thanks again to Jamie Flinchbaugh of the Lean Learning Center for joining us here on the podcast. I really liked what Jamie said. We hear all the time about how leaders are behind lean, quote unquote. That sounds very passive, that, that terminology. Leaders really need to be more actively involved with lean and teaching, coaching, and supporting their employees on a day-to-day basis. I, I assume you're listening to this because you're a lean leader at some level, and lean leaders exist at all levels of the organization, or at least we hope they do. If you have a follow-up question for Jamie about being a lean leader or any challenges with your lean work that you do, email me through the lean blog or call and leave a voicemail on the lean line, area code 817-776-LEAN. That's 817-776-5326. If you're an international listener, you can contact me and leave a message through the Skype service. Uh, Details about that are on the blog on the main page about the podcast. The next guest on the podcast, probably in about a week, will be uh, Norm Bodek, who's been with us before here on the podcast. And we're certainly looking forward to talking to him again about Lean and Toyota production system concepts. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For Lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.